welcome back to the Dusty Road. I am not in the habit of doing Christmas specials for you. It's not exactly Doctor Who. But given I do have a background in spiritualism and Christianity, I wonder if we should do something today. Now, the main thing I can offer is family and family connections. The best thing my characters can do is introduce a few family from outside the village who come to visit and watch a few odd things happen. Uh, we can have Naomi introduce her sister from Washington State. Apparently the sister was there when Naomi first married the geologist and become part of his experiments. Her sister is Margaret and the sister is two years older. He has, She has asked a lot about James and his time on the mountain and when he died back in 1980. While there, she did happen to witness a red-haired woman going down the hallway who stopped at one of the lavatories and when Margaret stopped to use the restroom she noticed the lady inside washing her hands and the lady turned to look at her and asked can I help you with something it's at that time Margaret was standing right next to her looked at the red-haired woman's eyes and saw that all she saw there was black eyes there was no iris or anything and she looked at Karen and thought who are you what what is this for a second her voice seemed hollow like she was inside a cave and then Karen realized what happened Karen said oh sorry and adjusted her appearance back apparently Karen let down her guard for a second and forgot to assume her human appearance. I'm not sure what was intended there, but once in a while a ghost is a ghost, and the humans don't understand that. Maybe Karen practices a lot to be part of human life and show what she looked like alive, but at other times she just assumes a more transparent form that doesn't really depend on appearance at all. There's been debate about whether Karen consumes any alcohol in the afterlife. After all, she did have a problem with drugs during her living time. I think we'll let her assume coffee and sodas on occasion. I don't know if the girl has any interest in alcohol or not. She might carry something at a party just for appearances, but who said she actually drinks anything? Karen enjoys her human life very much. She had a chance to reincarnate and move on to another life, but she's finally found some of the acceptance she wanted in life and can't bear to give up the dusty road. For her, this is a good place, and she wants to stay there. As for her newfound love, Jacob, he's still very much alive. He didn't find acceptance out on the dusty out on the wider plane of existence but he did find Karen here who fulfills his needs pretty well Jacob doesn't have any say over his appearance other than the usual ablution and clothing that you all have so he's pretty much the same while Karen changes he's had to watch her dance and take a role in the village the, he doesn't share so much, and that's left Jacob to do a few things on his own, 
Recently, Jacob got a job cooking in Naomi's Inn, and she's decided to take him on with a more lenient, slow schedule. He doesn't have to cook every day, but he's free to pursue an artistic experience, making up a few special dishes for the inn while leaving burgers and shakes to someone else. We didn't know Jacob had any talent in cooking, but he seems to be rather good at it. The pistachio pudding he made up with orange slices on top was very good for dessert last night. And he seemed very good at corned beef with onions on top. So. Hey, Dave. Are you going to play with me? Little cat's shaking her tail at me, getting ready to do something. She was looking at my hand like I bit that thing three times earlier. I'm going to go after it again. Oh, don't worry. We've been getting along very good today. Since she's been asleep at 4 a.m. lately, I decided I'd wake her up a bit. Uh, I found notes about the friends of the teenagers particularly Melissa had four friends in town. Ralph, Susan, Scott, and someone else. I'm going to look that up. These are friends that do not live on the dusty road. Instead, they've been following Melissa at school and sending her text messages. It'll be neat to see what they come up with soon. As for family visits, Melissa had a particularly sweet one that her friend Dawn, while taking care of the baby, had stopped to see Melissa with her face in a book, crying a little bit, in Dawn's bedroom. They are sharing a bedroom now that the baby has taken over one of the rooms, and Starla is down the hall. At least the baby has been quiet so far. And while we're talking about Dawn and Melissa, we note that Dawn had a pretty good joke the other day, that they were talking about the cabbage ghost, old Jimmy, and talking about his life. Everyone in the village knows that Jimmy smells like cabbage and moonshine, and he always has a strong odor around him. Uh, Dawn put a hand to her belly, she said. Now, if I gave birth to that spirit, I'm sure I would have gas the entire pregnancy, which caused Melissa to burst out laughing as soon as she heard it. It was absolutely weird to think of Dawn suffering like that the entire nine months. And Melissa thought, yeah, her belly was big enough already. She doesn't need that kind of air inside of her. But there was a note where they looked at the eyes of the baby. The the little boy, Aurora, that she gave birth to. And the eyes don't look quite like uh, April... Uh, they don't look like Dawn, and they don't look like her boyfriend. So, once in a while, they see a flash of bright color come out of those eyes. And they wondered exactly what it was. It seems to be a pale blue, similar to what Lilac had. And for a while, they were questioning... Whose eyes are those? Is it the dad's eyes or the mom's eyes? And finally, Melissa looked at her and said, Lilac. And 
dawn said, yeah, the ghost is still inside there. And she knew then the child is hers. There's something of the father there, but there's a third party involved that does not belong to them. And she thought it was neat. That seems to be her child now. Dawn has taken on a new love of the spirit. And she also knows that even though the baby is hers and they have a mother bond, there is times she sees the baby reach out to Melissa and coo to her. And Melissa has taken turns holding the child, finding it fall asleep in her arms. He's been a good little boy so far, only a couple months old. But already Melissa has found this baby easy to take care of, pretty easy to please. Don Wilson is pleased to that, and it has strengthened their bond. That Melissa Clark and Don Wilson seem to share a family bond now, just being friends in high school. Melissa is still missing her parents. She's asked to go to the prison and see her father, but so far, Starla has cautioned that this seems to be a bad idea. Uh, lately, her father has been acting rather emotional and insane lately, having some difficulties accepting prison life. But recently, while crying and looking into the mirror, Melissa has seen a pair of eyes looking back at her, and she has seen her mother before, so this is no surprise. But she sees eyes without a face, and just wondering why Cindy is looking in on her and what's going on. While Melissa is crying, she has said she misses her mom a lot and just wishes mom could hang around her. She doesn't want her mom to go away. Particularly, she feared her mom being dead, which is normal to all of us, that maybe family doesn't exist anymore. Melissa feels alone. And she also fears her dad being lost forever. Maybe he might never appear in her life again. But Cindy come back and greeted her with an exact copy of her living voice and appeared in a human form to Melissa. She said, I will always be with you. I care a lot about you, and I cannot bear to leave you alone in this life. So, Melissa, you must know I'm hanging around in the village, and I will be here to take care of you. She said, Melissa, nothing else will happen to you as long as I exist here. I will do whatever I can to protect you. And Melissa hugged her mom. She knows Cindy is here and Cindy will take care of her. Melissa noted that there has been a strange boy hanging around the village, and this boy seems to be interested in her. Dawn noted this and said she just doesn't trust this boy and the boy should not be allowed in the house. Starla agreed that Melissa seems somehow captivated by him. We don't understand this. But when Cindy saw this strange boy try to kiss Melissa, Melissa saw Cindy's eyes flash red, and she wasn't sure what that meant, but Cindy proved herself pretty quickly. First of all, she shouted out to that boy to get away from her daughter, and then when the boy stepped away, but we heard a laughter as the boy walked away, 
Cindy showed her teeth and got upset real quick. The boy come back later and tried to lure Melissa into bed. And when Don cried out to get away from Melissa, quickly there was a thunderclap outside the house. And Cindy stepped in through the wall real quick and grabbed the boy real quick and dragged him off Melissa. There was a sound of screech like a woman's voice that came out of that boy. And Cindy screamed, you get your hands off of her right now. And Melissa saw golden ropes come out of the ghost and bind around the boy. She heard the sound of fury from both the living boy and the ghost. And then she saw red fire appear from the boy's skin and knew something was weird. Cindy said, you're that same demon that went after my husband. You get your hands off my daughter and you leave us for good. And at that point, the ropes dragged the boy out through the wall and took him out of the village. And there was another ball of fire outside and the sound of a fight. It's at that point Karen joined in and the two spirits bound the demon together. And I don't know what will happen after that. I'm not sure what it was. But the demon disappeared into the night, still screeching rather well. And Cindy came back looking exhausted, rather pale looking. Melissa asked what was going on, but Cindy said, I'm tired, I will be okay. Karen asked Cindy to lie down for a bit, but Cindy said, no, I learned something new today, I'll be okay. It's at that point Cindy realized the power of love, and she might have a motivation stronger than anything she's seen before. Cindy faced off against the same demon that had her husband kill her. So there was a personal case there, but she has also seen the demon that tried to tempt her daughter into the afterlife and some kind of sexual behavior. She doesn't want Melissa harmed that way. So what happened there was the power of love, and Cindy is now protecting her daughter. Poor little Melissa's been through a lot in this village already. She's been a runaway. She's witnessed her dad as an alcoholic. She witnessed her mom killed. She's seen a demon attack her best friend and her dad. And now she's seen the same demon attack her. It's just something that a child needs a lot of help to get through. Even at 15, it's tough for her. Bruce Wilder has seen his dad, James, come back and advise him to stay in the hotel and work with his mom. He is going through school and learning computer programming. Bruce Wilder has dealt with the ghost of a spirit come back. This one seems to be a friendly spirit, although there are scary spirits out on the golf course. Bruce has taken a small job landscaping and mowing grass at the golf course. He has dealt with the gators a time or two, learning a bit of gator care and throwing them meat. He has also been scared a few times by the farmer ghost who wants the golf course vacated and turned back into a farm. So Bruce Wilder is learning the difficult part of this job. 
Joseph Logan still has his dad taking care of him, or he's taking care of his son, Andrew. Andrew is the son. Is it? This note is unclear. Okay. I should hire someone else to make notes for me. Joseph Logan is the son. Andrew is the dad. So you're going to hear me type a little bit here. Dale Clark is still dealing with the demons in prison. He seems to have no ability to reduce, resist this demon. But now that December has rolled around, he noticed the demon seems to be silent and absent. He has no idea Cindy and Karen's role in this story. Professor Oscar Osgood has been back with his wife, Thelma. She's doing good. And Oscar has asked more questions about the light array seen in the sky, the optical interference. What he did notice was that while Thelma was in bed that night, she happened to notice a very old ghost walking through the halls of the hotel. It doesn't appear to be one that the rest of the town has seen before. Oscar and his wife like to hang up their clothes in the bathroom. Maybe they don't want to trust the laundry service. Maybe they just want to dry things out. And we know some people like to rinse their socks and then put them on the next day. Uh, I don't do that. Some people do. But while this old grandmother matron visited, she saw Thelma out in the hallway, quickly turned a shoulder to her and said, Ma'am, I want you to get your clothes out of this bathroom right now. And Oscar and his wife were shocked at this. They kind of scared. The old lady said, That's my bathroom, and I don't want your clothes hanging there. Just for a second, the couple thought of running downstairs and vacating the hotel. But Naomi went upstairs and saw this spirit. She told the spirit, this is my hotel. What do you think this is your bathroom? And the spirit said, I live here. Naomi said, you used to live here. This is my land now. And at that point, Naomi threw a dash of salt at the spirit and she dissolved and left the hotel. We may have to see this one again. <coughs> we haven't smelled the cabbage and moonshine lately. A lot of speculation is that the spirit is totally gone. Dawn was asking if that means the spirit has reincarnated into someone else, but a lot of people think the spirit has simply vacated 
and it be dissolved and would never appear again. If at that point said, but he's still part of our family, he's part of the village. We've seen Scott and Martha recover from their car crash. Scott still has a bit of a limp and Martha gets headaches, but they're becoming part of the village. Trey, the husband, still has that uh, limp and Scott is the child, but that's okay. We're just going to deal with this. Starla has asked him a few questions about the car crash and heard about their life that they used to be part of a warehouse out in the city where they were working and she said they had some problems with employment there that it was tough to take care of their young son they preferred to be on the road and Scott has a passion for ghost hunting Martha kinda plays along with it but she's learned to adjust to him too so now not only are they poor but they also have a desire to ghost hunt. Uh, Martha met up with Jacob a while back and they discussed Karen and the new ghost hanging around Cindy. So she's asked permission to bring Scott over, er, yeah, to bring Trey over and ghost hunt at the Jacob's house. He has agreed and he's not sure what the ghosts would do. Martha has also approached Naomi and wants to bring recorders in to check out the hotel. So they have a good thing to do. We also have a note that somebody left with the name Arthur McCoy on it that turned out to be written on Trey's clipboard. She is asking around a village and she found out that the guy in the prison knew about Arthur and asked Naomi about it. So they're going to find out who that is. She hasn't learned yet. Samantha Stockwell's leg has recovered. She has visited Trey and asked about the doctor and learned that they had the same doctor when they were taking care of it. Samantha has taken to talking to the professor and learning about geology in the village. She wants to find out if there are any more sinkholes. Samantha has been visited by her ex-boyfriend asking about the son. Little Star has seen his dad now and Samantha has had a few qualms about getting involved with this guy again. She's thinking maybe but she's also had a new uh, male in her life, maybe a lover, maybe not. She's not sure about commitment, especially in a place like this. But Samantha has been looking after ghosts and sinkholes in this world, knowing about the main fear in her life. So everyone has been giving her tips on geology and soil. She has been digging holes and trying to research the water table nearby and Roscoe has been giving her notes about the geology and magnetic fields underneath the village and the city. 
she has learned that there is a small cave underneath the village. And she has been wondering if that's because of the sinkhole that she fell into, or which one caused the other. Ross the boss had a visit from his ex-wife. She asked about his work, and since there was no mention of children, we don't think they ever had any, but she did ask if he was ever going to retire from this. He said he's very much wrapped up in the mystery of this village. He doesn't want to leave it yet. And his ex-wife said she would be back in the village again next year if he would come and see her. But Ross treated her to dinner and shared a couple of muffins and some scrambled eggs with her. More like omelets, really. They had a nice bit of onions in them. And his wife left with just a gentle patch of the cheek and told him to see you again sometime. She seemed rather cold about it. The border collie laid on the floor of Naomi's office and seemed to enjoy a quiet place there with a rawhide bone. We do notice the border collie has been seen digging in cornfields and making a nice muddy hole for himself, having a cool lay down. During the warm season, he's been inside houses and taking care of Henry. The dog seems to lay around quite a bit. We did see a, a black cat walking down the road recently, but the cat saw the dog bear and the dog barked a couple times and took off chasing that cat. The cat turned around and flashed white eyes at the dog. The dog stopped kind of backed up a couple steps, which is unusual for a border collie. And the cat growled a little bit and took off. We did see a little gray cat with an orange diamond on its head come back too, and that one's had some fun walking around. Well, it's getting close to the time here. Let's see. Who are these names? Okay, good. I have Melissa's friends right here in the computer. Carol, Jane, Susan, and Ralph have been over. They came in a, in a four-door sedan together. It looked like Carol's mom was driving. I didn't catch her name, but they come by to visit Melissa. They had another friend riding in the middle in the back. A scared-looking girl with long blonde hair named Alice. This is a story I need to get to. So even though this is a Family Times episode, we're going to interrupt here and give a few notes. Samantha came over and promised to give a haircut to Alice, which Alice accepted. She thought that was a good idea and actually seemed enthusiastic about it. We just noticed that Although her friends were quite nice to her and got her laughing, whenever someone walked in the room, Alice would turn around to face the person and back up next to a wall. She seemed to be kind of frightened and oftentimes was silent to her friends, even when they were talking. If asked why she was silent, I don't know. I don't feel like talking right now. And she would drink tea, she would drink water, 
but anything opaque like milk, she would stare at it weirdly, like, I don't know what's in that, I'm not sure. When Samantha served her soup, then Alice just kind of looked at it and kept checking all the little bits in the soup. She had trouble with anything they served her. The real trouble came when Samantha sat her down in the chair and she wanted Samantha out in front of her instead of behind. That seemed okay. Samantha put a cloak around Alice's neck, which she asked, please loosen that up. I don't like things around my neck. And it appeared that the girl was shivering when Samantha touched her. Samantha asked, are you okay? And Samantha, Alice said, no, but I'll continue on. I need a haircut. Samantha said, okay, and put a little water on Alice's head. She seemed to like that even though she shivered a bit. Samantha picked up a pair of scissors, and as soon as saw Alice saw a flash of metal, she reached her hand up and slapped the hand away and said, No, get away from me! And Samantha said, What? Just a pair of scissors. Alice grabbed the hand and looked at the scissors and gave Samantha a shocked look. I don't know. It looked like something else. It looked like a knife. What is that? She said, it's Barbara's scissors. I've had them all my life. And Alice said, can we please stop the haircut? So, Samantha talked to the doctor, Osgood, and asked what was going on. She said, the girl appeared to have some, like, abduction experiences that something violent might have happened to her. But Alice just said, she can't remember. She talked about the frost on the windows. She talked about the freaky cell phone where she tried to call Melissa. But she said, things happened after that, I can't remember. It seemed like time just stopped. And even though it was late at night, they took Alice into the clinic to get some x-rays and get some procedures done. The doctor x-rayed Alice's limbs and found out she had a broken bone that appeared to have healed over several months and they asked Alice if she remembered having a broken arm and Alice said no no I've never had a broken arm before what is this they said but your bone appears to have broken rather violently and then was pieced together very carefully and healed well she said all I saw was the suture in the bones where the bone has healed together apparently eight weeks ago. And Alice looked shocked. No, nothing's ever happened to me. And they asked about Alice's loss of weight. She said, I don't remember eating anything, but we were not hungry. No one requested food on the bus. And she asked how long it was between the time the bus disappeared from the road and appeared in Aurora, Colorado. The teenagers looked a little shocked. And Don said, my baby's name is Aurora. Why is that? Alice asked when she gave birth. And when Alice answered, she noticed that's the same time the bus appeared back in Colorado. And Alice said, how did you know about us? Alice said, the name Aurora just came to me. I don't know why, but I had to name my son Aurora.
then. Alice described how the bus was in a place where they could not tell it was. Everyone stayed on the bus, apparently not suffering anything, not needing hunger, not needing relief, just sitting there on the bus waiting for someone. And she said in groups of twos or three, they disappeared from the bus and came back. Alice noticed for a time she had bruises, but they went away real quick. And they could not see anything but white light outside the bus. She noticed other people acted scared at the hospital in Colorado. Oftentimes she heard a bit of a scream or some argument with the doctors. Alice just acted scared and noticed she would wake up shivering from sleep. And it was difficult for her. She began acting impulsive. And while other people would wait in the line, she would dive for the food and grab something real quick and start eating it out of turn. And they were asking her, why do you need food so much? What's going on? Alice said, I don't know. I haven't been hungry like this in four months. And one of the doctors speculated maybe drug addiction. Alice strenuously said, no, no, I never do that stuff. She's only 16. And the girl saw a bright light in the parking lot outside and reacted scared of it. She tried to get behind a car real quick. Someone guided her back in to get out of the parking lot and she said she feared objects in the sky, which was weird because she never feared airplanes before. And someone said that was just a security light in the parking lot. It's what we get in parking lots all the time. Alice just noticed that this was unusual. We did see a boy in deerskin pants and a tan shirt walking down the road eating berries. And he's been calling out mom and dad over and over again. His voice seems to be more lonely each day. And although Trey and Martha have seen him again, and they sent a shocked look to each other, said, that's the boy that was on the road. So far, the boy has not stopped to talk to anyone and seems to be unaware of anyone else in the village. We also have noticed another guy in suspenders walking down the road, occasionally going up to the state highway and looking up and down it like he doesn't know where he is. There's not many people I've seen him, but apparently Bruce, or who's Bruce? Uh, not that one. Ross, the boss, saw him and said it looked like his great-grandfather. And he didn't know any of his family ever lived on the dusty road. But so far, Ross, the boss, has been trying to track down this ghost, has been unable to get his attention. I'm not really sure what to call these things. Some people may call them family connections because they appear to be related to others. With the case of the berry-eating boy, no one knows who he's related to. We don't know. I've talked about him previously with the song The Wild Wild Berry. And as far as the man in suspenders, this is a new scene. 
Roscoe knows him as a man who looks like his grandfather, but he's not very sure on that. Some people have noticed the spirits don't appear to see anyone or interact with anyone. And others have said it appears to be from a different time. The clothes are completely off for this era. And the way the suspenders man looks, it's like he can't see the modern roads. That he's looking up and down a different path, trying to look for a way home, but can't seem to find it. We notice the pond with the alligators is back, and there seems to be red birds. Possibly red-winged blackbird or cardinal, or maybe something from another place has come to visit them. There has also been a red-tailed hawk crying out, but the alligators don't seem to be scared of it. It is a neat little thing that happens in the dusty road. We have all these mysteries. And there's not much scary going on right now. But we did notice the first flakes of snow falling here. I will stop here and I'll let you remember, you never know what happens next on the dusty road. <laughs>